just to not be silent this morning, to give it our all because he deserves it. Let's sing, we have this confidence in Jesus. We have this confidence in Jesus. His blood has brought us into Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? 
Yes, got a few happy people. That's good. It's a beautiful day outside, and that also means it's a beautiful day for us inside to encounter the presence of the Lord together, to be transformed by the reading of scriptures and prayers, by the Holy Spirit's power, and then also to be sent out in mission to preach the gospel to this lost and dying world. And I just want to park on the word mission this morning before we continue on singing that that as believers, as Christians, we are always a people of mission because God loves the nations. God loves our cities. God loves our communities. That is God's heart is to be on mission for salvation. So friends, with that thought in mind, can we look at the Psalms, Psalm 67? Can we pray out this Psalm as an act of worship just to help us center ourselves into being a person on mission for the Lord's salvation. Let us read and pray together. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. And the church says amen to that. Amen, amen, amen. Before we continue to keep singing, can we just posture our heart to pray before the Lord? God, we love you. We thank you that your presence is here. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can sense that you're moving already. That this is a house of healing, a house of love. That no matter what happens in our life or what happens around in the nations of the world, that we will be a people that's secure upon who you are. That you are a God who loves us, who has brought us out of darkness and into marvelous light. We are a people on mission to proclaim the great gospel message of salvation. Would you speak to us continually throughout the rest of this service so we may hear and we may know you more. We bless you and we honor you and our hearts are open to you this morning. In your name we pray and say, amen. Amen.
family have been diagnosed with something maybe recently maybe it's been something you've been walking out for a long time but I felt like God just sang this lyric over me and I wanted to share it with you today and it says every diagnosis must bow to Jesus scripture tells us that the name of Jesus is far above all rule all authority all power and every name that can be named and that includes names of diagnoses that have given to us we believe as Christians that one day our bodies, either in this life or the life to come, our bodies are going to experience the healing power of God. So if this is for you, just engage with the Lord. And if you feel like it's not you, would you pray for someone else who needs healing in their body? Every diagnosis must bow to Jesus. Every diagnosis 
Church, I can't think of a better time for us to practice body ministry right now. If this is you, and this song resonates with you or relates to where you're at right now, would you be comfortable enough to raise your hand and let the church gather around you, pray for you, agree with you? Ms. Wanda was telling me just right before this service that she's worn out both of her rotator cuffs but has been denied treatment to have those replaced. I want to pray for you today found out one of our sisters before her first service was telling me she's had 47 surgeries over the course of her lifetime because of a chronic condition with her bones and her joints. Friends, we have people in this family that are dealing with severe, severe things, and we want to come around you, and we want to agree with you. We want to stand in the yoke of faith with you that God touch your body. So just lift those hands up again so I can see you. Friends, gather around if you would. Introduce yourselves. Ask if you could grab a hand or even place your hand on their shoulder. We're going to minister the power of God and the grace of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we agree with your word that says that your name is greater than any other name. We declare today that your name is more powerful than any diagnosis. Your name is more powerful than any report that has been given. And Father, while we believe in and while we accept and while we so appreciate modern medicine, we also look to you. We look above modern medicine and we say, God, would you come and would you break in where modern medicine has reached its limitation? Father, would you come in and would you have the final word over every terminal or chronic condition in our lives, oh God? Lord, at the name of Jesus, not only must every knee bow, but every mountain must be moved. So I am praying today for the inbreaking of the miraculous working power of God. Father, we pray for the inbreaking of the kingdom of God for virtue to flow right now to every one of my brothers and every one of my sisters, God, that you would touch bodies. Father, we announce today that your name is healer. It is your name. It is your nature, God. And from your name and from your nature flow healing virtue and healing power. So right now, God, come, I pray. Holy Spirit of the living God, move upon every single one of us 
restore what needs to be restored, correct and realign what needs to be aligned. Rebuke cancer cells, God, right now. Bring reversals in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for miracles. We pray for testimonies. We pray for the power of God to be made manifest in our lives, in this community of believers. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing this a couple more times.
Amen. Clap your hands, church. You know, I, I understand that sometimes when these diagnoses and the fears and the waves metaphorically come, it's hard to believe these things. I have been there myself. And one of the reasons that we sing these truths even when we don't feel it is because we believe that God is over all. Even though our circumstances are real, the greater truth is the truth of who God is and what will be true visually to us in the end. And so one of the things we're doing in singing is choosing to lift our eyes above those things, not minimizing them, but lifting our eyes above those things to see God for who he really is. I think about Isaiah chapter 6. In the year when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne. And what happens? Isaiah sees the splendor and the holiness and the beauty of God, and he is undone. He's undone before God, and he immediately realizes, woe am I, a man with unclean lips. And he asks to be cleansed, and he is cleansed. And then as God so often does, he asks the rhetorical question, who will go for us? And Isaiah there laid bare before the beautiful presence, the holy presence of God, now cleansed with nothing standing between him and God. Isaiah says, well, I will go. Send me. One of the other things that happens in the presence of God as we sing is that our hearts are conformed to the hearts of God. That when we came in carrying only our own burdens, suddenly somehow the burdens that are on God's heart begin to move our hearts. And we're now looking outward. Yes, we still have our own things, our own problems, our own struggles, but now our hearts are moved with compassion for the people around us in the world around us. And today we're going to talk much about that. But I woke up with a, with a desire to pray for the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem on my heart. And I woke up and I felt this, and I knew to turn at least to Psalm 122, which I'm going to put these verses up on the screen and read them. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the psalmist says. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security. Yeah, sure, you can join me. And security within your citadels. Verse 8. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. And I found myself feeling burdened, but not having the words. And because my handwriting is illegible, I got out my computer and began to type. <laughs> And this is what came out. So I'm going to read a prayer that I crafted this morning, and I would ask that you engage. Posture your heart, not just toward me and toward the people of God, but to be in alignment and to join with Jesus, the one who sits at the right hand of the Father who is interceding for us and for his people. Gracious Father, we call upon your compassion and your mercy. And we join with the psalmist of Psalm 122 and with the people of God throughout the centuries who have faithfully interceded for the people of Israel in prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. First, Lord, we stand with gratitude. Our scriptures, our stories, and our Savior have all come through this nation and this people. It was the, through both their faithfulness and their faithlessness that we learned of the steadfast character of our God, who sent his Son as the embodied peacemaker to heal the wounds of the world. Thank you, Lord, for the people of Israel. 
We also stand this morning in intercession. Israel was the seed of blessing for all the nations of the world. And this morning, we now speak blessing and pray that divine peace would rest on this nation and their people. Holy Spirit, move through that land to comfort grieving mothers, angry brothers, and despairing fathers as their already deep national pain has now stricken their families. We ask that centuries-old strife would be laid to rest, not by means of violence and war, but by the hand of God and the prayers of his faithful people all around the world. Intervene, Lord, we pray. Stop the bombing and the bloodshed and continue compelling your people to pray and carrying healing to that land. God, we pray against the ways that the enemy seeks to turn our eyes from real people being wounded and killed and toward political and economic agendas. God, would you break our hearts for people, for your people, and grant your wisdom to government officials that they may be overwhelmed and motivated by your love for the people whom they are against. Bring nations together around the sanctity and sacredness of human life who desire to stop war. And God, we recognize these prayers require nothing less than supernatural intervention. But we also remember we serve a God who raises the dead. Lord, hear our prayer. You know, as Christ followers, we're invited into something beyond politics. We're invited to do something really radical according to the politics of Jesus, which we learned from the Sermon on the Mount earlier this year that Jesus asks us not to just pray for those whose side we're on. He invites us to pray for our enemies. Not only to pray for our enemies, he invites us to love them and bless them, to pray for those who persecute us. And I can't help thinking about this situation and thinking about someone who's very important to our Christian faith, a man who himself was a religious terrorist. He was an extremist, a man by the name of Saul, who Jesus encountered. And he says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, and that somehow in the midst of all of my knucklehead decisions, he considered me trustworthy, and he actually appointed me to his service Because I was once a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, and I was a violent man. But I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord Jesus was poured out on me abundantly, along with his faith and with his love. And friends, I want to ask that we do the most Christian thing possible right now and actually pray for the enemies of Israel. I have a friend of mine who I've come to love, he and his family dearly. His sons are good friends with my sons. And he is from Palestine. He's got family in Palestine right now. And he just told me, he said, Jade, everything's not as it seems. And the human issue and the Christian issue here is to realize that God is passionate about those Hamas terrorists in the same way that he is passionate about those that are dwelling in the citadels of Jerusalem right now. And so we're going to pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, we ask that you would love your enemies today. Through the church of Jesus, all around this globe, God, we pray that the praying church would rise. God, that we would pray for Muslim extremists and terrorists right now. Father, we pray that the seeds of vengeance and bitterness and 
offense and oppression that had been sown deep into their story, that had been sown deep into their family lineages, would be broken by the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus. I am asking God that you would visit Islamic terrorists in the same way that you visited a Judaist terrorist by the name of Saul. God, do it again. Lord, would you visit the enemies of the gospel in dreams and in visions? Father, I'm asking today that that brothers and fathers and sisters and mothers would find themselves at the mercy of an encounter with the living God through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would you you would go to radical means right now in the midst of a radical war. And Father, I pray right now that you would plant a flag of the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that reconcilers and peacemakers in the name of Jesus will be raised up that would go to where the battle is the fiercest. And Father, I pray that the spirit of reconciliation and the spirit of true peacemaking would be at work on both sides of this hostility and in both sides of this war. God, in the middle of this, Lord, I pray for the miraculous inbreaking of the kingdom of God. God, I pray that you would protect the innocent. Lord, I pray that you would release a wisdom that is from above, that is first of all pure and that loves peace, that is impartial. Father, I pray that somehow in the middle of this this, this global crisis that you would break in and that you would bring the goodness and the flourishing, flourishing of God to Jew and to Gentile alike. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said that his house would be called a house of prayer, and we at New Life Church are committed to that, amen. And we've prayed for one another in our bodies. We've prayed now for the nation and the people of Israel and the people of Palestine, but we also now pray over our own hearts as we are postured to give. So our giving liturgy will be on the screen And I would ask that you pray this more than just recite it, but say, Lord, touch my heart and let this be true for me. Father, you are the abundant giver of all good things. Train us to delight in holy dependence. Lead us to honor you with all of our resources. Free us from deceit of greed and earthly riches. Teach us to give generously with open hands and joy-filled hearts, that we might receive abundantly and flourish for the sake of others and your purposes in the earth. Amen and amen. There are four ways to give. There is a slide. Most of you will know, but if you are looking for a way to give, there are plenty of ways um, that you can give as a worship to the Lord. Parents, if your children are in here, would you lay your hands on them as we bless them and send them to children's ministry as we pray the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples to pray. Let's lift our voices one more time. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Children, we love you and we send you to children's ministry with open ears and open hearts. New Life Midtown, it has been great to worship with you. Turn your attention one to another and greet each other in the name of the Lord. We'll be back in just a moment. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Well, fantastic. It's great to see everybody this morning. If you're visiting with us maybe for the first time or you've been coming for a couple of weeks and you want to learn more about who we are, there is a QR code, a little piece of paper in the seat back in front of you. It says, I'm new. Even if you're not the newest, still fill it out because we would love to connect with you and just put some information in your hands about who we are. Couple announcements for us this morning. Number one, baptisms are next Sunday. Yes, get excited. If you like, would like to be baptized, sign up. Don't hesitate. It's going to be a powerful service. You can sign up with a QR code at the Welcome Center, or you can jump online. And also next week, Sunday the 15th, following second service, 20s and 30s, we're getting together after service for a Sunday social in the multi-purpose room. So we will be checking your IDs at the door to make sure you are actually in your 20s and 30s. But it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be free food and just a chance for us to get together and get to know one another more because we haven't had a lot of spaces for that recently. So I encourage you to sign up for that. There is a QR code at the Welcome Center for that event as well. So please sign up so we know how much food to bring. And lastly, in two weeks on Wednesday, October 18th, we will be having a worship night here in the building. So we've heard the cries of the people. Seth, we want more. (laughs) So come on out on Wednesday, October 18th. It'll be at 6.30. It'll be a powerful time of prayer and intercession and worship over our city. Amen. And right now, I'm going to hand it off to myself. Guys, it's great to see you all this morning. (laughs) My name is Lauren Oscombe, and I am over local outreach here at New Life Midtown. And this morning, I have the privilege of just sharing a little bit more about what we have been doing in our city. 
So a few years back, I think it's been about six or seven years, our church walked through a series called Faithful Presence. And we took months going through this idea and letting the Lord transform our hearts to realize that what we're receiving here, this transformational work of the Spirit, isn't just for us. It's actually for the city. We are called the faithful presence of Jesus in the city. Jesus didn't, didn't stay in one place. He went to the people and ministered to the people. And we realize that we're a part of that call. And so we do that in several ways by partnering with organizations across our city and joining in that work. And one of those organizations is called Cuz I Love You. I know a number of you might have heard of them because they are actually the organizers of these big events that we participate in throughout the year. So you'll see Spring City Serve, our school partnerships, Backpack Bash, and Fall City Serve, which was yesterday. And was there anyone in this room that did volunteer for Spring City Serve? Can I see hands? We got one. We got two. We got more over here. Let's go. So, guys, thank you so much for showing up. Spring City Serve is a day where not just our church, but churches from around the city go into the city and, like I've announced in previous weeks, meet tangible needs for schools and organizations and families in the city. I'm using the word city a lot. I realize that. It just dawned on me. Randall's nodding. I'll I'll cut that down for y'all guys. All right. Guys, something else really cool. The backpack bash this year, I had asked that we collect 100 backpacks, and our church outdid ourselves, and we collected 200 backpacks this year. And I got a really cool story. So I ran into Stu Davis, who is the executive director for Cuz I Love You, at a Chick-fil-A yesterday. Praise the Lord for the Lord's chicken. And running into him, he let me know that there was a debrief for this last backpack bash that we participated in. And something about it, it's not just organized by one person, myself and representatives from other churches, and then administration from District 11, we all partnered together to put this event on. And they were having a debrief, and at the end of the meeting, everyone's getting ready to go when the administrator from District 11 stops everybody. And she says, I just want to tell you all, I have never experienced the church of God in this way. And she went on to tell about how she was blown away by the kindness and the care that the church took to show up in not only giving backpacks, but then going and loving on the families in this event. Because this is a city that she herself carries in her heart and works daily to improve And so we got to touch something that she cares about, and now it's starting to show the love of Jesus to this woman. So not only do we impact the city, but we get to impact city leaders and people who are in positions of power to make change and to bring change. It's powerful. So what we're doing is not, it's not a small work. It's a great work. And something else that Cuz I Love You has done, they've partnered us with, they have partnered us with a middle school here in town. Do you know the name? Man Middle School. God bless you all. It's actually Horace Man Middle School, but Horace, we're just going to make it man, make it easy and simple for us all. So we have a multiple opportunities throughout the year for you to get involved at Man Middle School and to show up. It says, man, we get to support the staff, but we also get to engage with the students and the community at that school. And it's just 10 minutes down the street. And it's something exciting is we might have the opportunity now to take on another school right here in our community. And lastly, something I'm really excited about, a new partnership that we'll be joining into this year is with Crossfire Ministries. 
I don't know if you've heard about Crossfire, but as you can see on the screen, they provide no-cost groceries, clothing, and care for people who are in need and in times of need. And, I mean, we all know prices are rising and that things are starting to get a little tight. And even for ourselves, we can feel it. And there are families in our community who have to decide on a weekly basis, do I pay my utility bill or do I purchase food to feed my family? And so this ministry, Crossfire, they've been faithful. They've been in this city for years. They provide a, an incredible experience that gives dignity back to them. So it's like they're going to a grocery store and shopping, but it's all free. Everything is free for this family. And I have a really cool stat for you guys. In just the month of September, they served 7,823 people. That's amazing. Yes, we praise the Lord for that. That's hundreds of people every time they open up their doors that are coming through and that are encountering the body of Christ. So we have an opportunity to get involved, not just on a yearly basis, but monthly and even weekly. And you can find out all of those opportunities by signing up and joining the outreach team. So join the outreach team. That's my ask for you all. Man, you might not feel like you have the time, but there are, there are ways for you to get involved that don't even require time, that just require maybe giving and prayer. And you can find about all of that if you join our outreach team. I have, and you might have guessed it, a QR code out at my, uh, our local outreach table out in the fireside area. So come and visit me after. Get on our outreach list. Learn about the ways that you can get involved and see just the, the spirit of God move in our city. Amen. And so now I'm just going to have you turn your attentions to the screen. We're just going to watch a video to recap our City Serve Day from the spring and the fall. We are out here at Mann Middle School for Spring City Serve Day. We have about 50 people from our church all over the campus raking, painting, remulching areas, doing whatever needs to be done to love the school and to let them know that we are rooting them on. My name is Sarah. Um, my husband and I um, have been fostering for about 10 years, and we cannot even tell you what a blessing this is for us. We just have all these projects going on, and it's just gonna, we're gonna walk away from the day and just walk away and just be like, I can't believe it. I can't believe so much was done. One, one time, one day, if you volunteer on a City Serve Day, I just want you to know what a difference you are really making. For our family, it's huge, and I just know for every family that is being served today, um, they're just gonna feel so blessed. We believe that we are the faithful presence of Jesus here in the city that God has planted us in. We've deployed dozens of people all across this city, several different projects, helping to serve and bless our city. And I wanna encourage you as you watch all the different things that we're doing, to be involved, to be active, and to participate as a part of the Midtown family, making Colorado Springs a flourishing community for the goodness and the glory of God volunteer again because it is such a blessing and will make long-term impact for these families. We truly are in the city for the sake of the city. Man, great job guys for showing up. Saw so many faces on that screen that I know. Thank you for coming out and serving. You'll have more opportunities um, in the months and the year to come. My name is Pastor Christy. I am also here on staff at New Life Midtown. I am the pastor, associate pastor of Family Ministries. But in addition to that, I am our global champion. I am all about mobilizing this house to champion what God's doing around the world. And guys, 
God's doing incredible stuff. Jay and I actually got to have lunch with a partner this past week from a, um, I won't mention where, just for security reasons, but in a part of the world that is heavily, heavily Islamic. And they are seeing, they can't keep up with the amount of house churches that they're trying to pull together because people are coming to the Lord. God is moving. Even amongst some of the darkest and the hardest people to reach, God is moving. And it's just like, it's just like Lauren said, his faithful presence, guys, it has always been and it is at work. And we just get to participate with it. We just get to come along with dad and play a part in what he's doing around the world. So I want to share this morning some of the ways that you guys can engage with what the father's doing, specifically with things that we're doing here at New Life Midtown. So there's four ways that you guys can get involved and engage. And those four ways are pray, give, go, and partner. All right, pray, give, go, and partner. We have um, consistently, we have over 60 partners that we that New Life as a whole partners with, and then we have about seven that New Life Midtown specifically has relationship with. And guys, I am constantly getting prayer requests, prayer needs, um, things like even just with going on with Israel, we have friends in, in Israel that we've been praying for, the Dilchers, um, and covering them. And so being available and being willing to be called and to have that email and saying, yes, I will come together and I will pray and cover what's going on around this world, with our, particularly with our partners. Give. There's so many ways that you guys can give, and we'll be presenting different ways over the year. Um, there will be one specific ask that we're going to have today that Pastor Jade's going to bring up to you whenever he comes up. But we have a community that we've been working with for seven years in Eswatini. Now, if you're wondering where Eswatini is, I can help you. It is used to be called Swaziland, and it's a teeny tiny little country that actually sits inside of South Africa. But it's its own country with its own king, you know, its own government. Um, but it is one of the poorest um, nations in Africa. The AIDS epidemic and um, different climate issues have really just wreaked havoc over that country and have taken the lives of a lot of their men. It is very rare and difficult to find a man over the age of 50 in that country. Dads have passed away or they have left to go find work in other nations. And so it's, it's not uncommon to find 14 and 13 year olds running their households. And so we partner with an organization there called AIMS, Adventures and Missions, and what they do is they connect a community there in Eswatini with a community here in the U.S., a faith-based community in the U.S., and he brings us together and he says, how can we impact each other? How can you in the West invest into what God's doing there in Eswatini? And so we started that relationship seven years ago, you guys, and now today we've got 90 kids sponsored. We've got several projects that are already happened that are up and running, and then there's more. We've sent over, I think, about 17 teams or so um, to go and to continue to build relationship. And God is doing marvelous things. And we'll, we'll show you that in a video here in a second. We just had a team come back that got fresh information and fresh footage. Um, and it's, it's incredible. I was on one of the first teams that went out and to see what God's done in that amount of time is mind blowing. So give, there's special ways to give. Um, if you go on our webpage and you hit give, if you go down to support missions, then there's a drop-down box that will say Eswatini Projects Midtown. 
Eswatini Projects Midtown. When you give to that particular account, it goes towards all these special projects. It's wells. We've done wells for them. We've helped them build a preschool building. We've helped them to fence off different things. We've provided bathrooms for them. So it goes towards these special projects. And that's one of the ways that you can partner. Another way that you can be involved is to go on a trip. Go out with us. If you've been on one of our short engagement trips, would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Yes. And first service, we had more as well. Guys, these trips are not like your normal missions trips, if there is a normal missions trip. These are so highly relational. They are very much spending time face-to-face and getting to know each other and getting to encourage one another. And this is the beautiful thing. We get to impact them and encourage them in their walk with the Lord, but they impact us as well. And that's why we call this an engagement trip, because we're not just going to give something, because we're not the only ones who have something to give. We have something to receive. And it's that in that life upon life that happens, that exchange that it happens, that we grow as as well. And so I encourage you in the seat pocket in front of you, there are these cards, these yellow cards, and on there you'll see all of the trips that we have available in 2024. Yes, it's only October 2023, but y'all, I know your calendars, all right? And you like to fill your calendars up. So you can't say I didn't know and I didn't have time to plan. So we have applications open and available online. There's a QR code on there. If you go online and find our trips, you can apply for those trips. Applications will be open for about a month or so. Uh, for the fall trips, applications will be open a little bit longer. And this also help gives, a, gives you guys time to raise the funds to go, to save, but it also gives us a chance for our teams to come together to bond, to learn, and to grow, and to be trained so that when you go, you guys are empowered. So go. That's one of the ways. And then lastly, partner. Now, like I said, guys, I usually would stand up here and say, hey, can you help sponsor kids? But we don't have any kids to sponsor because they're all sponsored, which is a beautiful thing, guys. Way to go. All of our kids at Instaguini 2 are sponsored. But here's the beautiful thing. In January, you guys are going to see me back on the stage again because now that we've taken, been able to take care of so much stuff with Insaguini 2, we are now taking on a community that's next door called Insaguini 1. All right? And this is something, you guys, we've been dreaming of since we first took on Insaguini 2. I told Jade, I said, I can't wait for the day that we can take on Insaguini 1. And so in January, I'm going to have more children that you can sponsor, that you can give towards, more projects that we can get involved in, and I'm going to need to send more teams. So begin to pray about whether or not God would have you go. All right? So that's one of the ways we could partner. There are some very simple ways. If you'll come see me in the back um, at the table, there's very, very simple things. Maybe you're not in a season of life where you can give, or maybe you're not in a season of life where you could go. But there are ways to partner here. We have cards that we send our kids every year, and we got to send 100 cards twice a year. That's a lot of handwriting. So if you're good at writing cards, I could use your help, as well as on the prayer team and other needs that we have. So please stop by. Find out ways that you can be involved. Guys, God has given us the opportunity locally and globally to partner. You know, Acts 1 tells us that he has empowered us by the Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, that's home, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost bounds of the earth. So join us as we engage what God's doing globally. Sit down and for the 
kunebamfana labatinsanzane kakhulu labanye bate bomake bate bobabe Hey there, Midtown family. I'm coming to you from Nsagwini 2 in the nation of Eswatini, Africa. This is our care point. And what I mean by that is seven years ago, God called our church, the people of our church, to come into a committed long-term relationship with the community of Nsagwini 2 by sponsoring the children of this care point. When you choose to give monthly, you are actually not just benefiting one child or one family, you're benefiting an entire community where there are about 300 children and their families that all come to this care point every day of the week to get a meal. There is now a preschool that is teaching children, preparing them for primary education. There's basic first aid and medical care that is being given to all of them. There's also spiritual work that is being done. And in the past five years, we have now sent seven teams to this place. This week, our team has been ministering to so many kids, playing with them, seeing the goodness of God in their lives. We've also been ministering to the grandmothers of the community who hold this place together. We've been joining the work of God in their homes, visiting homesteads, praying with people in the community. And we've been beholding the glory of God by partnering with his faithful work and his faithful presence here in Ensaguini 2. Good morning, church. It's good to see your faces today. Thanks so much for participating in everything that the Spirit of God has invited us into, whether that's praying for situations in the Middle East or discerning how you can become more actively involved with what God is doing in our city and also in places around the world. You know, seven years ago, Christy mentioned this, I ended up taking a vision trip. I did not even know where Swaziland, Africa was. At that time, it was still called Swaziland. And the purpose of that trip as a senior pastor was to go to numerous care points throughout the entire nation of Swaziland to identify and to discern if there might be a place there that God was calling our community of believers to enter into a long-term committed relationship with. I remember calling Christy while I was there because I had seen several different care points. One of them was a very well-established care point. It was Hoppin'. Man, there was, there was hundreds of kids there, and you could just tell there was life and energy. There was already a number of young teenagers that were being raised up to be leaders. They called them care shepherds for those care points. And they had just had a church that was their sponsor pull out. And it was so tempting to step in and say, man, there is so much momentum in this place and so much energy. Like, I want to be a part of that. Well, the very next day, we ended up taking a three-hour trip about 20 miles an hour up this horribly bumpy road, this rocky, unpaved road, three hours up into the mountains, and there was nothing. There was one tiny little building there. There was just a handful of children, and there was not a care point. 
was up uh, high up in the mountains, and I remember calling Christy and saying, well, there's these two care points that we can choose from. One is amazing, babe, and I was selling it. She said, well, tell me about the other one. I said, well, yeah, you know, the other one's like, it's like way out there, and uh, no one really goes to it, and it's really difficult. And she said, she said, Jade, that sounds like exactly the one that we're supposed to take, right? The one where nobody else wants to go to, the, the, the one that's unreached. And uh, sure enough, seven years ago, we made that decision. I came back, shared it with our elders. We prayed over it. We, did, we determined how t- we could uh, have a sustainable long-term plan. And this was my first time back in seven years. Guys, we've sent seven teams in five years. But of those five years, two, we weren't able to go because of COVID in 2020 and 2021. And so this was my first trip back. And man, full of children, four buildings. And the shepherd there said, Pastor Jade, you have no idea that when you guys put a well pump uh, with fresh water on our property, it changed everything. Prior to that, we'd have to travel three miles down the road and we'd have to get muddy water out of, you know, this little creek where when, when we would be fortunate enough to have rain, uh, water would come down into this muddy creek where cows would walk all over it. And then we'd have to take it all the way back three miles and boil it. But when you guys put a water pump in, now we've got clean water to give to our community. Now we have moms and dads and aunts and uncles and sparse grandparents that are joining the activity of the care point. It is truly becoming a ministry center that is touching and reaching the entire community. And now we have an opportunity to reach in Saguini One as well. I want to make you aware of one very specific uh, project in our development plan. This is the development plan that the people of that care point say, we want these things to happen. And this is a multi-purpose building that's going to serve multiple functions. It's going to be able to host multiple teams. And most importantly, it's going to be a place where programs can take place specifically in the winter Because in the harsh conditions of the winter there, uh, there's really no place for the kids to gather. So this will help make that happen. And uh, when I found out how much it cost, it will be about $27,000, I asked our program director, a man by the name of Bogani, he's a Swati, and I said, "Uh, let me me ask you this, Bogani. This was on a Friday. I said, if I wrote you a check today for $27,000, I said, when could you break ground and start working? He said, Monday. I mean, without batting an eye. He says, Pastor Jay, we could have this thing done before your next team comes out. I said, all right, I'm going to bring it back to the church, man. So this is me bringing you back the next part of our development plan in tandem with the holistic development of our care point in Ensaguini 2. 27 grand will help build a multi-purpose. You yourself may be able to sleep in that multi-purpose building and do ministry in that multi-purpose building if you choose to go on one of our short-term engagement trips. Guys, thanks so much. All right, grab your Bibles if you would. I've got a few minutes here, and I'm going to give a standalone message in the spirit of Outreach Sunday today. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 6. And many of you have asked questions about my bum foot. No, Jonathan and I are not trying to be twinsies. Uh, We're not trying to start new fashion statements. Uh, Jonathan had surgery on his foot to remove some cysts, and uh, I suffered a pretty extreme toe turf a turf toe injury playing in the river that I re-aggravated last week and possibly snapped a tendon and I may have to get surgery myself in a few weeks. So, um, But we're going to find out how long it takes for the anointing to hit because you'll notice when I stand up, uh, the Holy Ghost just fell, right? So talk back to me today as we jump into the word. Holy Spirit, 
Bring your fire, bring your power, bring your truth, bring revelation and touch every single one of our hearts as only you can do. We are open to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what's happening here in Mark chapter 6, Jesus has just sent out, oh, there it is. Jesus has just sent out his disciples at the beginning of this chapter to go on their first short-term engagement trip. Like, no joke. Jesus is raising up these 12 men. They're recruited in somewhat of a uh, spiritual formation and leadership internship under Jesus himself, the master rabbi. And part of their training curriculum is to be sent out and actually do the work of the ministry. Jesus says, proclaim to the people that the good news of the kingdom of God is at hand. Lay hands on the sick and see them recover by the power of God Uh, cast out devils. And so these guys have been out on that trip. While they're away on this trip, Jesus's cousin, a man by the name of John the Baptist, the very man who baptized Jesus, the very man who was pregnant in the belly of Elizabeth at the same time that Jesus was in the belly of Mary, has just been murdered by decapitation, Uh, unjustly, by the way. So Jesus is alone when he gets news that his beloved cousin has just been murdered. His disciples are out doing difficult and hard and good work for the ministry, and they come back. And when they come back, they're excited. They've got so many things to report, but they're also tired. And Jesus himself is processing the loss of John, his cousin. Verse 31 says, then, because so many people, somebody say so many. Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. You're going to find this phrase, so many or many, uh, several times here in the passages, because the evangelist Mark is trying to communicate that the demands of ministry and the number of people that are demanding life and teaching and presence and attention from Jesus and his disciples are way more than what Jesus and his disciples can handle. And friends, those of you who've been involved in any kind of ministry in any way, isn't that just the nature and the reality of ministry? Yeah, you can talk back today, right? The nature and the demand of ministry, I don't want to call it a black hole, but is always more than the resources of time and energy and strength that you and I will ever have to give, right? The financial needs will always be more. Uh, the emotional needs will always be more. The demand in the pool will always be more. And that's what Mark is trying to paint, this picture for us that even after going through hours and weeks and perhaps even months of pouring out their heart and their energy, they come back and still the demand is great back at home. Verse 32, the scripture says, So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them, here's that word again, many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Like, in some ways, I'm going to be really honest, I'm a little annoyed by all these people, right? How many of you, like, when you're trying to schedule time to get away and go on vacation, no, I don't want you to go on vacation with me. I love you. I love you, but I'm trying to get away from you so I can rest, so that I can minister to you again when I come back. But if you go with me, okay, anyways, like, bro, you got some things you got to work out there, pastor. 
Here's Jesus and the disciples trying to have a little Sabbath retreat, and the people recognize it, and they're so hungry for what the disciples are carrying and what Jesus is carrying that they run across the entire lake and get to the place that Jesus is going ahead of them. This is incredible. One of the things that I hope that you see from this is that even though there are seasons in life when you're tired and you're frustrated and you're fatigued and you need a real break, what you carry, even the little that you carry, is so attractive and it is so compelling to the people that are around you. And they may not be able to put that in words. They may not even be able to explain to you why they always like being around you. Some of them may be a little socially awkward. Some of them may have their idiosyncrasies. Some of them may be challenging. And yet, if you're not discerning what God is doing, you find these people constantly and consistently within your ministry space. What is that? They're drawn to the life of God inside of you. And there's opportunities that the Holy Spirit himself is opening up sheerly by proximity and presence of the people that he is repeatedly putting within your space. That's what's happening right here. Look at verse 33. Many of them saw them leaving. They recognized them. They ran on foot from all the towns. They got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, there's that word again, many, large, great, many, so many. He saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. Friends, we're not talking about a human sympathy. Human sympathy and the compassion of God are two different things. Human sympathy will end. Human sympathy has its limitations. Human sympathy is not enough to sustain you in the rigorous demands and the long haul of what ministry will demand from you. And please understand, when I'm saying ministry, I'm not talking about some sacred versus secular divide where, you know, those who are in what we would call professional uh, vocational ministry, I'm talking about the ministry that every single one of us are involved in. The ministry of raising your children, the ministry of being a good neighbor, the ministry of being engineers or serving in our military or the ministry of being a student or being a student athlete or the ministry of of whatever, whatever vocational space God has called you into, that's your ministry. Amen? So when Jesus sees them, he sees the reality of the need that's in front of them and he sees the intensity of their hunger. He sees the scale, he sees the quality and the quantity of the demand of ministry, and something moves inside of him. Friends, this is called divine compassion. This is called the perspective of heaven. And I'm just here to announce to you and remind to you today that whatever vocational uh, space of ministry God has called you into, that you need the compassion of God to sustain you in that. Notice what else it says. It says that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep that were without a shepherd. Immediately when I read that, I thought of the classical Psalm in Psalm 23. And I want you to just look with me here for a minute or two into Psalm 23. Because I think when we look at Psalm 23, we get a little bit of an idea of what this expression could be communicating to us when it says that Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. Let's look right here in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. And because the Lord is my shepherd, because I am a sheep underneath the Lord's shepherding leadership, I lack nothing. So essentially what this is saying is that when Jesus is looking at people that are outside of the fold 
of being in the family of God by virtue of salvation in Jesus. He is looking at a people who have no place to go when they run up against their own limitations. When, when, when we as the people of God can say, I lack nothing because God is my shepherd, people outside of God have nowhere to go outside of their own resources or outside of their own ability when they find that they're lacking something. Look at the next verse. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God is concerned about your holistic health. He's concerned about your mental health. He he is deeply concerned about your emotional health. He is concerned about you experiencing what the Bible calls shalom, or holistic human flourishing in every arena of your life, not just spiritually. He wants your finances to be sound. He wants your emotional state of peace to be solid. He wants your relationships to flourish. He wants reconciliation amongst you and those that you're in opposition with. And we find that here where he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and he, li- he leads me beside the quiet waters. Look at the next verse. He refreshes or restores my soul. Here's why Jesus was moved with compassion. Because when he looks out and he sees thousands of people who do not have this level of access to God as their shepherd, he is seeing people who are not in a state of wholeness, and it moves him with compassion. And he's inviting us to see the people that are around us through those same eyes. Right? There's a reason why people are so angry. Right? Lost people are angry. Lost people are mean. Lost people are unkind. Lost people are cruel. It's their job description. They don't know how to be otherwise because they don't have a shepherd to refresh their soul, to guide them in paths of righteousness, to make them lie down beside still waters, to to make them lie down in green pastures. And so when Jesus is looking out on the masses, he's seeing a people who are not experiencing the peace of God. Look right here, one more verse if we could, verse 4. Even though I walk through the, the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Because you're with me, because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How many of you have ever been in a situation that seemed like it was a little threatening or alarming? And immediately, either this verse or Psalm 91, or maybe you prayed in the spirit, but immediately your heart was drawn towards God, cover me and protect me and keep me safe. Anybody been in a situation like that all the time, right? And so when Jesus is looking out on the crowds, he's realizing that there are people that when the threats of the enemy come against them, they have no shelter to run to. So they're vulnerable. This is why God, this is why Jesus is heartbroken when he looks out at the masses and he says, I have compassion on them. Because these guys are pawns to the enemy. They don't have the covering of the shepherd to come and fight for them and protect them. And so they're constantly living in fear. And so consequently, Jesus' heart is moved with compassion. Let's look back at Mark chapter 6, verse 35. By this time, it was late in the day. Say, late in the day. So his disciples came to him, and they said, this is a remote place, and it's already, again, very late. Can you feel what's happening right here? The sun is setting. These guys have taken a long trek out into the countryside, and now all of a sudden, there are very real threats for these people to get back home. Thieves, robbers, bandits, uh, animals, ferocious animals. 
So we're, we're not making up these challenges. Even Jesus in other parables tells us about the very real dangers that lurk in the night watches when people are traveling on unsafe roads. And so it's not wrong for the disciples to come and say, hey, these people need to get back home because we don't have anything to feed them. Look at the next verse here in verse 36. The disciples then come up with a solution. And we can't fault the disciples for this. It's a natural solution. Jesus, we don't have enough resources to take care of all these people. And if we don't feed them soon, they're going to get, they're going to get really hangry, really fast. And they're going to outnumber us. And we're a long way away from civilization. So send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages. And here's the phrase that is really important for us to lock into. And buy themselves something to eat. Buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples are looking at a very real need. And essentially the disciples are saying, these people have it within their means to take care of their needs. So Jesus, empower them, release them, command them, tell them, you guys need to go and take care of yourself. And this is the phrase that Jesus responds to them that dropped into my heart that just messes with me a little bit. And I hope it messes with us as a community of faith. This is what Jesus says. He says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, again, we've got to pull back and we've got to just at least cerebrally and conceptually take a, take a, a broad stroke at the context here. Jesus is mourning. The disciples are tired. They're trying to go on a Sabbath retreat. All like, We didn't invite these people. You ever had uninvited guests come over to the house? You're like, really, I didn't plan for you to come. Don't know if I have enough food for you. Right? I've got 5,000 uninvited guests now coming to the party here, coming to my Sabbath retreat, my contemplative retreat here with the, you know, the saints of old. And here all of a sudden 5,000 men alone, not counting their women and their children, show up. And all of a sudden the disciples are like, we can't handle this. And Jesus is saying, you give them something. You be a vessel. You be a part of my solution to the needs of the brokenness of the world. You take that person out to eat. You text that neighbor. You walk over. You invite somebody over to coffee. You lay hands on the sick person when you need healing for yourself. You go serve at the school. You go to the board meeting. You give them something to eat. The disciples' response is a very understandable response. If we look right here at verse 37, they, they continue and they say, that would take more than a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Again, referencing the reality that the demands of ministry will always be more than the resources and time and energy and maybe even, especially even the resources of money. The demands of ministry will always be more than we have to spend. That is just a reality, right? In our neighborhood, cause I love you, city serve, spring, fall, backpack badge. One of the things that Lauren didn't mention is that we actually gave away 12,000 backpacks to kids all across this community. We were fortunate enough to give 200, but listen, here's the thing. There were still thousands of other kids that didn't get a backpack in Colorado Springs because the demands of ministry will always be more than the resources that we have to give. And this is where God comes in. This is what Jesus says to them. In response to them understandably 
recognizing their limitation, here's what Jesus says. He says, well, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have to give? And this is the question that really, if we can allow the Holy Spirit in the form of the word to lodge deep into our life, this question has the power to be the most life-changing, transformative question when we wrestle with this question in God. What do you have to give? I don't have any time. I get it. But how much time do you have to give? I don't have enough money. I understand. But what do you have to give? When Christy and I first started our ministry journey, I was making a whopping $18,000 a year, and we were a single-income family. God invited Christy, and me. he basically said, Christy, I don't want you to work another job. She had lucrative offers at other places, and he essentially commanded both her and me for her to work with me, but she wasn't going to get paid, and I was making eighteen grand a year. Now, for my son, eighteen grand sounds like a lot, my nine-year-old son, right? Uh, but for most of you, realize that eighteen grand a year is not a lot to work with. And I remember we were going, we, it was a mission Sunday, and our missions pastor stood up. This is, this is 20 years ago, and he was laying down this missions challenge for us to, like, build up our annual, our, our annual missions fund by becoming monthly partners. And I looked at Christy, and I said, babe, like, we, we, we have nothing, but we're going to commit to $10 a month, 10 bucks. And, man, I just remember just writing that $10 a month check and just being so proud and so faithful. And that went on for about a year, and then the Lord bumped that up, and we were able to give $25 a month to missions. And then the next year, we were able to give 50. And then the next month, it was 100, or next year, it was 100. We got to a place where we were giving $300 a month in addition to our tithe because we started at $10 a month. The Lord said, what do you have in your hand to give? In the fall of 1996, I'll share this story, and we'll bring this to a close. In the fall of 1996, I was a freshman Actually, the fall of 1995, I was a freshman at Oral Roberts University, and I was sitting in one of our biweekly chapel services. Once a semester, we have what's called a missions chapel. And in that missions chapel is where we announce all of our trips, very much like what Christy did today. And I fell asleep in that missions chapel. And I fell asleep because I knew God's not calling me to the nations around the world. God's calling me to America. I had this grand vision. I was going to preach the gospel in every high school. I was going to pack out football stadiums and basketball courts. Like, my passion was for the high schools of America. Well, about six months later, we were having our spring missions chapel. It was February of 1996. And in that chapel, I fell asleep. I was, I was determined. I had friends coming up to me saying, Jade, like, you would be great. You would love it. You would love robes. You would love it. And I was like, man, I was starting to get frustrated, agitated. All these people tell me I needed to go on a mission trip. I was like, I'm not doing it. I remember at the end of that chapel, I can tell you exactly where I was in Christ Chapel. I was sitting up in the balcony from the chapel. It was right up there on the left. And after that service, I can't tell you one thing that was said I can't tell you who preached. I cannot tell you anything at all. But after the end of that service, I lingered a little bit because the worship director was leading this song called, If You Can Use Anything, Lord, You Can Use Me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my mouth, Lord. Speak through me. If you can use anything, you can use me. And I just remember standing up, and I'm just, I mean, my heart is for the Lord. I was just limited. I was dumb, y'all. It's was dumb. My mind was closed. My heart was cut off. But as I began worshiping the Lord, I felt like the Lord just said, son, go. And I was like, where do you want me to go? And he just said, 
go. I said, Lord, these guys have been training for literally the past seven months. And the Lord said, go. I said, Lord, it's going to take, it's going to cost $3,000. And I've literally got five weeks to raise this. And the Lord said, go. Every excuse I threw up to the Lord, his response was just go. Long story short, I didn't raise all my money. One week before we were supposed to go to our ropes training camp, I got called in and God miraculously paid for the remainder of my trip. It was a two-month trip to Indonesia. In the latter part of that trip, I remember I was at a missions compound. It was 9 a.m. A Muslim call to prayer was going off. And as I was spending time with the Lord, God interrupted me. Heaven broke in and he said, Jade, I don't just love America. I love the world. I love the world. And that just settled deep into my heart. And I'm telling you, that one loaf and fish moment of me just saying yes and being obedient to God literally has transformed and changed every aspect of my entire life, you guys. Now, it's easy for us to say, send them away. It's easy for us to say, oh, those people will go on next year's engagement trips. It's easy for us to say, man, times are tight. I have nothing to give. But here is what God is saying. What about you? What is in your hand? God takes five pieces of bread and two pieces of fish. You know what the first thing Jesus does with them? Anybody have any idea? Any idea? Before he breaks them, do you know what he does? Before he blesses them, or as part of his blessing, here's what Jesus does. He lifts them up to heaven, and he thanks God for them. Some of us, we're actually cutting off our blessing because all we're doing with what we have is cursing it. We're complaining about it. We're, we're partnering with victimized spirits and victimized mentalities and saying, I don't have enough. We're, we're living in these limited uh, mentalities. And here's what Jesus does with five loaves and two fish. He lifts it up and he says, Father, thank you. Thank you for what I do have. Thank you for the time I do have. Thank you for the resources I do have. Because the little that I, thank you for the little energy I do have. Thank you for the talents and the abilities I do have. Thank you for the business customers I do have. Thank you for the kids that are in my classroom that I do have. Thank you for the business accounts that I do have. And when you lift that up, all of a sudden what you're doing is you're taking your, li- your limited resources and you're exposing them to infinite potential because you're putting it out of your hands and you're putting it in his hands. Thank you for this. And in that gratitude, blessing comes and rests. And then the blessing is in the breaking. The blessing is in the breaking. The blessing is in the breaking. Sometimes you will not see the return on the little that you have until you give it away. And once you give it, you're going to find, oh, my gosh, like I just served at City Serve for four hours in the sun, and I feel more energized than I ever have before. I've given a little bit of a seed, and all of a sudden it's multiplied back, and now there's more missionaries or there's more people or more neighbors that I can touch because the blessing is in the breaking. Friends, would you stand with me this morning? I'm here to announce to you that part of the DNA of this house is we're going to be an invitational people. We're going to be a hospitable people. We're going to be a participatory people. We're going to be an engaged people with what God's doing in the world. And none of this is going to be condemning, and none of this is going to be heavy-handed. But, man, every opportunity that we have to invite you into good work in our city or the world, friends, we're going to do it. 
and we're going to lead the way, and we're going to do it by praying and giving and going and sending, and we want every single one of you guys to be part of all of it. Can we just pause here for a second and let the Holy Spirit breathe on this? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Father, right now, I want to pray for those of us in the room who identify with the tired and weary and exhausted disciples and feel like they have nothing to give. And Lord, I pray for your refreshing. I pray for your strengthening and I pray for your provision and your blessing on them. What I want to pray right now for the one income family that just literally doesn't know how they're going to make it. Soaring costs, cost of living Uh, allowances have not been able to match the cost of inflation. Lord, I pray right now for them. And I pray, oh God, that you would bring manna every day. Lord, that you would bring daily bread of provision, real, pure, practical, tangible, financial provision. Pray that you would surprise them. Lord, I pray that you would feed them like you fed Elijah with ravens. God, I pray you would provide for my friends today. Lord, I want to pray right now specifically for those that are making really big decisions in life. Lord, they they need to be led in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. I pray for your guidance, and I pray for your direction. Lord, those that are making really, really big decisions. And Lord, Father, for those that are in the house today that are grieving loss, and I know there are several that I've interacted with just this morning, I pray for the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Pray that God would draw near to you, friend. Heaven would open up. God would love on you and he would bring peace to your soul as you grieve. Lord, I pray that you would bring the perspective of heaven. Father, for all of us as we hear this word, Lord, I pray that faith and hope would arise. That we would sense the invitation of the Holy Spirit to join you in your good work, both near and afar. And I pray that in so doing, God, as we take the little that we have and give it to you, Lord, would you bless it? Would you break it? Would you cause it to abound for good kingdom work in Jesus' name? Amen. Friends, I want to invite you to the table of the Lord to join us at this holy meal right here. You can exit at your left, come forward, receive the bread, receive the cup, and we'll all participate together. You may come to the table.
This passion in my heart, this stirring in my soul, to see the nations bow, for all the world to know, I'm living for your glory on the earth. For the sake of Friends, we can talk about going, whether that be afar or near, because God is ascending God. God is ascending God, and he shows us this by sending his one and only son, Jesus. Scripture tells us that while we were far away from him, that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to find us to reveal to us the good news of salvation. And more importantly, to reveal the good news that God is not mad at you. Essentially, God sent Jesus to tell the world, God's not mad at you. God is at work in Jesus to reconcile lost and broken and sinful and stained humanity back into relationship with God the Father. You see, because of our own willful decision and our sin, We were separated from the life of God, but God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die a brutal and unjust death. And in his death, he took upon himself the punishment and the penalty and the consequence of sin itself. He bore all of that to abolish it, to take care of that. And so now if any of us are living under the weight of that consequence of sin, which is guilt and shame and fear of God and not being in right relationship with God, friends, I want you to know those consequences have already been dealt with in full because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So if you would here for a moment before we receive these elements, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes with me. And if you're here today in person or online and you would say, Pastor, That's me. I'm far from God. I can't tell you that I have a real living relationship with God through Jesus. But something in my heart convinces me of the fact that everything you're saying is real, that God came after me, that God made the first move, that God initiated, and he's not upset with me. That in Jesus Christ, my sins have been forgiven, and in the resurrection of Jesus, I have the hope of life. I believe this. 
And I want to be saved. And I want to make that decision today. Friends, if that's you, I want to invite you to lift up your hand. I want to see you. And I want to be able to pray for you today specifically. If you're here and you would acknowledge that you want to make a decision to surrender your life to God. Ask God for forgiveness of your sins. Ask for the saving power of God to touch your life. That's you. I want to invite you. Just lift up your hand. I want to pray for you. Over the past several weeks, we've had dozens of people, both in first and second service, make these decisions. Beautiful. Friends, I want to invite you to pray with me all together across this room. Heavenly Father, thank you for life. Thank you for saving me. Lord, I repent of my sin today. Have mercy on me. Forgive me. I believe that in Jesus, you have forgiven me of all my sin. I believe Jesus is your son. He lived a sinless life. He died an unjust death for my sins. But I also believe that he rose again from the dead and he has made a way for me to be in relationship with you. So I say yes in Jesus' name. Friends, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke that bread. You can break that in your hand today. A physical picture of Jesus' physical body broken so that we could be whole again. You may receive the body of Christ. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said to his disciples, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. Friends, I announce to you today, your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. May receive the cup of the Lord. I love that. Isn't that awesome? Come on, friends, clap your hands and thanksgiving to God today. We're so grateful. We love you, Lord. Friends, let's sing a song of thanksgiving before we're sent out of here. Immediately to the right in our fireside area, you can find information on both local and global outreach. Friends, right up here in the front, we have people who want to pray for you. Do not leave this building if you need prayer for any area of your life. 20s and 30s, sign up so we know how much food to get for you guys next week. Open your hands if you would, Lord. We bless you today, and may the blessing of the Lord be with your people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord surround you with his goodness and his kindness. And may the Lord empower you for faithful work and faithful ministry this week in Jesus' name. God bless you, church. We love you so much. Amen.